0: Welcome to In Our Experience, a podcast exploring the many ways of living well with Nourish Yoga Training. I'm your host, Harriet, yoga teacher and founder of Nourish. Today, I'm joined by Elise Tassel. Elise is a hairstylist and yoga teacher based in Oxford. She is part of Nourish's teaching faculty, and from spring 2022, you'll be able to find her at her new home, Sun, Moon & Scissors, within Everybody Yoga Studio in East Oxford. I had such a fabulous time talking to Elise. Uh, She's one of my dear friends, as well as being a wonderful yoga teacher and hairstylist. We talked about the similarities between yoga and hairdressing, living in an earth-centered way and exploring the eternal question of whether an Aries can ever chill. I'm so excited to share this episode with you and as always would love to hear what you think. So do pop us a message or an email. You can find how to contact us in the show notes. Right, on to my chat with Elise hi elise welcome to you in our experience it's lovely to have you here how are you doing i'm pretty good yeah i'm good
1: i um yeah i've been rushing around a bit this morning so i'm kind of a bit i'm arriving
0: you're arriving <laughs> yeah i'm arriving Excellent. well well to help you arrive we will we'll start with a question that i i start every podcast with which is what's nourishing you this week um and this can be anything really small, serious, silly. Um, and I will share mine first okay. to, to help you out. So my nourishing thing is over the weekend, I moved my boat to a different spot. I know. Um, it's the first time... I say I moved. I mean, my landlord moved the boat for me, (laughs) but um, it's the first time I have had the boat in a different spot since I moved on. And it was so nice. It felt like being on holiday, even though I was working all weekend, (laughs) Um, just being somewhere else was really refreshing. So I feel inspired to ensure that I take advantage of the fact that I can move my home more this year. Um, and be in different spaces I'm, I'm back in my usual mooring now but it was just it was a really lovely little break so that's what's nourishing me what about you Um, I think it's food great this week.
1: always food but especially this week and particularly food cooked by other people Um, so I often work in the evenings and uh, coming back this uh, yesterday the day before uh, my housemate had cooked this, like amazing meal and like, just arriving home to that and, like, it being unexpected uh, was such a nice thing to have. And, o- like, Toby also cooks for me on a regular basis when I'm working late. So I feel like it's part of the structure that kind of supports me to do the work that I
0: do with, is when, like, people can cook oh, for me. That's so nice. Yeah. I almost never get cooked for. I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very jealous. That being said, I did get cooked for on the weekend and it was glorious. And and this person cooked for me on my own boat. So it wasn't like I had gone to somebody's house, like a friend's house, and they would cooked for me. Somebody came and cooked for me on my boat. It was a delight. I sort of had to, like, let go of my, uh, you know, not control freak tendencies, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm such an Aries sometimes I'm like oh you're in my kitchen and I feel a bit uncomfortable about this like but it was it was really lovely so you're being nourished by other people yeah that's great yeah that's wonderful I love this um so speaking of supporting your work tell me tell us a little bit about your background and how you would describe what you do wow that feels like a really big question <laughs> I'm like delving into my history in
1: my mind um so background um well I've been a hairdresser or hairstylist for a really long time it's actually 20 years in April wow. this year uh, well it, since I've been in the industry so I was still training back then but um yeah since I entered into the industry and so um it started a long time ago mm. my my kind of work background and um I opened my own hair salon when I was about 19 so in 2007 and um that was kind of what led me to becoming a yoga teacher because the stress of running an independent business at an age where like most of my friends were going to university um yeah it was it was a really full-on experience like probably the most intense experience of my life and um thankfully I discovered yoga at a point where I was kind of reaching a bit of like meltdown and uh so yeah I I did yoga yoga saved my life as all yoga teachers say (laughs) and uh and then I wanted to pass on what I learned to other people um so I became a teacher and uh yeah I I guess it's that that desire to to offer the things that benefited me uh to others Mm. Um, so that's how I've ended up with these kind of two different strands to my work. So I'm still very much a hairstylist. That's like the bulk of my day to day work. And I'm a cycling hairstylist, which is a um, my a unique <laughs> feature in my work. Uh, and uh, and I also I teach for Nourish
0: as well, which I think Harriet mentioned. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so if you ever see somebody cycling around Oxford wearing an orange jacket with orange bike bags, then it's probably Elise. Yeah, generally always a lot of orange.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good colour. Yeah, I always feel like the least glamorous hairdresser. Like I always look like I'm going on a hike
0: or something. <laughs> <laughs> you're just prepared. You're yeah. like you're you're but you also have to cope with the weather in a yeah. way that like other hairstylists don't, right? You're mm-hmm. cycling through wind and rain and snow. Hence why my hair's never done either. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's fa- that, that's fascinating. And I think as well, you know, you're also now starting to do work that brings those two spheres together in sort of offering yoga and wellness specifically for hairstylists, no? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's a very tiny seed baby thing at the moment. Um it's it's a kind of recent dream actually and I think I'd been feeling quite uh, scattered in my life and my work and I have these kind of different things going on. There's a few other bits and pieces as well as the hairdressing and yoga. And I was like, how can I... Ma-? Like, I have some unique skills here and, like, mm. how could I bring those together? Uh, and I'm aware that the hairdressing industry is still an area of the world that's not really been touched by the wellness movement or... <laughs> um, and, And so I feel like like self-care in hairdressing is kind of overlooked. Like getting a lunch break is unusual. Mm. And um, we're spending a lot of time in like very like close contact with people and we're sharing intimate details of their lives and we can take on a lot of emotional stuff as well as it being a very physical job. Um, and I feel like yoga has a lot to offer to that mm. world. Um, so it's it's more in a kind of researchy stage at the moment Uh, and being an independent stylist I don't have a huge wealth of like network really yet and so that's what I'm doing at the moment is just putting out little feelers hoping to talk to other stylists about what they struggle with in our industry um, and then working out how I can bring my skills to that.
0: Oh, That sounds so interesting and really rewarding and juicy to sort of like bring these two halves or two parts of your work together. The um the sort of the the way that people relate to their hairdressers is really interesting to me because people will like my impression anyway is that people will sort of like yoga teachers, people will say things to their hairdressers or say things to their yoga teachers that they wouldn't say to anybody else. And you sort of end up becoming this like pseudo for them and like yoga teachers are not therapists and neither are hairdressers but you're in this sort of like what could we call it like this trusted role right yeah yeah
1: it's a really interesting point and actually after the first lockdown um this really hit home for me and more than ever before Mm. in that there were people that I see who don't live with other people who've been alone for a long period of time uh, who weren't seeing their families but still welcomed me into their homes uh, and they have they're also not touched by anybody Um, and Mm. so I just had this real like coming home kind of moment of realizing that it's what I do is so important in people's lives um, and That therapeutic aspect, I think it's the touch and the talk and being very present with one person Mm. Uh, in a world of like distraction where a lot of people are not really present with each other. Mm. Uh, It's quite a, it's like quite a unique job. It's
0: really unique. And also there's something around like her being, I mean, I know how obsessed I am with my hair, but like, <laughs> I should also add that I'm Harry's hairdresser. Yeah. yeah, Elise is my hairdresser. She does a great job. Anybody that's like your hair's lovely, I'm like, I can take no credit. It's all Elise. Um, you know, it's a real, it's something so. I mean, I can only speak from my experience, but it's so deeply personal. Like, but it's also a space where people, m- people may not have many forms of self-care in their life but like most people will get a haircut yeah yeah you're totally right and you know you could have somebody that literally does nothing else for themselves but they will have like a six weekly haircut booked in without fail so it becomes this really like precious space yeah um how interesting and I, I guess as well, like the similarities in terms of, you know, boundaries and sharing things really crosses over with yoga teaching. Because, I mean, I, I'm not sure about what your experience has been like, but I've definitely had students sort of confide and share with me in ways that is often really quite surprising. And you're like, oh, I'm the person you want to talk to about this. OK, how are we going to navigate this together? Um so there's a lot of crossover there between like they're both caring in caring professions in a way, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I really get that. Um, so I'm interested sort of what I guess what values you're bringing to your teaching and like do you see do you see that there's like crossover? like do you have values for your teaching? or your hairdressing, are they separate? Are they the same? Like what what drives you in those fields? There's definitely crossover.
1: And I've only started thinking, I used to keep things very separate and I've only started to think about those crossovers more recently as I tried to bring these two pieces together. Um, and I think one of, I mean, we've already covered a lot of this already, but one of the pieces is about people. Mm. And um, I'm not sure quite how to put that into words, but both of those jobs have, are with people, you know, in a very, um, how do I put it? I want to say intimate, but it's not quite the right word. It's, yeah, it's it's a, it's working closely with other human beings on a very regular basis. Mm. Uh, and it's about communication with those people. I mean, teaching uh, is for sure about communicating um, and hairdressing is massively about that as well. Mm. So communication with human beings is, one of those values and being like I strive to be good at that like I want to be good at at, or I want to better myself in that field of Mm. of being able to help people get their what they need across in hairdressing and also for me to be able to get across um, the pieces of yoga that I'm trying to help people to understand Mm. and to bring into their lives Uh, so there's communication um, and then I think the other thing is that I'm really I, I've called it earth centered um, over the years, and and I quite like that word for it. But I think it means slightly different things in each part of my work. Uh, like with yoga, it's about like honoring the seasons and the time of day mm. when I'm teaching. Um, kind of thinking about what's happening in the earth as I'm as I'm teaching, and mm-hmm. then with with hairdressing, it's more about how can I make my workload impact um, and gentle on the environment. Uh, so that's like using organic colors or um, trying to reduce my waste and things like that. So yeah, those there's a crossover, but it's it means different things in each okay. realm.
0: Gotcha.
1: Um, I think those are probably, Oh, actually one thing, one other thing, and that's presence. Mm-hmm. So being present in both of those roles feels like almost possibly the most important thing. And I think I mentioned earlier about this thing about being in a quite a distracted world and presence is a really valuable thing mm. to offer somebody. Like sometimes it doesn't have to be anything else. Like you don't have to say necessarily the right thing. And maybe actually that talks to that thing you were saying about what when someone brings something to you and you're not quite sure how to navigate it, like presence is often... Like all it needs.
0: Mm, yeah, there's something about just being there and and listening and holding that space. Like being one of the things I'm I'm talk I talk about a lot in 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 trainings more so in the in the sort of 300 hour or CPD spaces is. is how a lot of what we do as yoga teachers is like creating a container. Mm-hmm. So we create a container that students do their own stuff in. But a lot of our work is around like that boundary setting and that space holding. So we become a container for the practice. Mm-hmm. And that's why our self-care as yoga teachers is so important. Because if you're not able to hold that container in a way that feels good, both for you and the students, then you start to get into sort of sticky situations, right? Yeah, And it must be exactly the same For hairdressers. Yes.
1: Yeah. And actually, that gets more difficult from a practical sense when you're in people's houses.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: How so? Um, I guess the kind of things you're holding when you're holding that container as a yoga teacher is like timing Mm -hmm. um, and like general like practicalities around the space as well as the environment you create with the way that you teach Uh, and I think that from the practical side of things like when you enter into someone's home those boundaries kind of dissolve a little bit like you're kind of it's harder to keep to time because Mm. you're in their everyday space it's they they often don't some people do but like there's a kind of sense of it not necessarily being a workplace um yeah, it's, and you kind of are sharing in the intimate details of people's lives, like yeah, people cooking for their, their kids. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, yeah, you see a lot, like, and you kind of absorb a lot just being in in someone else's space.
0: I think that's really interesting. I, one of the things that it took me a while to adjust to in, in lockdown and in the shift to online teaching was having people see my home. Yeah. Because home, like home is something that is so deeply important to me. And it's also something that I have quite a complicated relationship with. Like I moved a lot as a child. And then recently I went through a year where I think I'm, I moved like six times like including living with you for a period of time and like house sitting before I moved onto the boat so when when I sort of moved onto the boat and it started to feel like my home I felt quite uncomfortable for quite a long time about students being able to see into my space because I was like "Mm," I wasn't ready for it to be a workplace and it sort of it had to be but Um, it's always something that I actually acknowledge now when I teach on zoom, I'm like, we're in each other's homes and we need to be like, we need to acknowledge that. Like it just needs to be aired and then we can move on. But I'm always a little bit like, mm, you know, I feel it's, I feel vulnerable around it in a way that, um, has gotten easier with time, but I was really uncomfortable with to begin with for sure. I really hear that. I really
1: hear that, and like um, this, when I was doing teaching on Zoom and, and for Nourish as well, it was in my bedroom, uh, mm. and I, you know, I live with other people, so it's it, it felt kind of it, it feels odd, and, and and I quite often forget, and then when someone makes a comment about your space, like oh, I really like the color of your wall, and you're like oh, you're you like, can don't see, look at I it, see my bedroom. <laughs> Also, like, I used to have to do, like, m- like last-minute cleans, and, like, Harriet can vouch for, like, I'm not the tidiest person. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be, like, okay, I have to teach in, like, 15 minutes, like, shove everything into a cupboard.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Like... <laughs> Okay, maybe, yeah, okay, maybe Elise isn't that tiny. But I think one of my favorite things about living with you was, um <laughs> was it like I got to do all the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine because I really, I really like doing dishes and there were always plenty to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: I feel like I've got better since you lived with me.
0: Like I, I think you have. Yeah. Yeah. I think living with more people has helped the situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be so much more on <laughs> top of your stuff. Definitely. Oh, uh, I do miss those days. I think of it very fondly.
1: Oh, me too.
0: But um one day we'll just live in like a coven.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like a, um what are they called? Like a community. Yeah, a
0: community house. Yeah with lots of land. Yes. Or maybe we'll have land and we'll each have our own like little pod houses on it. That's a great idea. Yeah. I'm here for it. Anybody wants to come join our commune in like a non-culty way? Yeah.
1: The thing is they almost always end up getting <laughs> culty. Like I I don't know of that many that successfully didn't become a cult.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. It is an unfortunate truth. I wonder why that is. There's something about like maybe they just don't have good boundaries around how you live together in those spaces. I don't know. I think we could do it quite well, but um, we'll see. I think one of the, one of the things that I know that we often talk about as well is sort of these ways of living because um, we both really love Oxford, but we also go through phases. Recently you, you put it really well and it's really stuck with me. You were like, I'm a bit angry at Oxford at the moment. And I was like, Oh, I hear that yeah, because it's so expensive to live here. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes like I just can't like, it's hard to see a way forward with it in a way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As someone who is like born and raised in Oxford, I, and I've stayed here my whole life. I haven't moved away or anything. Um, and I'm at a stage in my life where I'd quite like to buy a house at some point, Mm. um, which is a privileged place to be in to even to be able to think about that. Uh, But every time I look at house prices, I just kind of crumble inside of it. Just yeah, it's really tough. And actually, so um, I used to live in a bus um, and I've lived in mobile home before. um, And so I've kind of tried these different ways of living that would enable me to have a little bit more uh, money to save. Mm. And uh, yeah, I get it. Hence why I get
0: angry about I know. (laughs) but it's so nice to live here it's like it's like a an abusive relationship in a sense <laughs> i mean not that i wish to like <laughs> minimize anybody who has experienced an abusive relationship at all but i do feel this sort of like um like there's a push pull with oxford mm, for me which yeah. there's a tension like i really love living here but there's a tension around living here as well um but yeah it's interesting but it does i think Oxford does have some, it has some beautiful places and it has some really beautiful people. And I think that's why I've stayed, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Right. Well, I think one of the things I wanted to circle back around to was the earth-centred idea that you were talking about. Because firstly, I think that's a really beautiful way to put that. Um, And I really hear how it is showing up in different ways in, in the things that you do. Um, because it's also one of the things I think that I most associate with you. Like it's something that you really you really embody and you spend a lot of time thinking about and and living, living out, but also in a way that I think feels quite second nature to you. Like it's something you've obviously been practicing and thinking about for a long time. So it just sort of like comes out. Um, and I was talking to somebody recently that was sort of asking me about um, what living on the boat, <clears throat> what living on the boat is like, or I end up talking about living on the boat a lot. But um, but one of the things I said to them was how, like one of my favorite things about living on the boat is how connected into the seasons you are and into the weather, because in a way that you don't get living in a house, Um, And maybe there's there's something in there, you know, about living on the bus and things like that for you. But, you know, it does – I do live differently in the seasons. Like in winter, I'm in bed a lot earlier and I sleep more. And then – in the summer, you know, it'll be like full daylight at 6 a.m. in my bedroom and I'm like awake and then I'm like more active during the day. And that definitely flows through into the way that I work and my teaching as well. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how that shows up for you in in your your work, your practice, yeah. Mm. Wow, that's a really, like, it feels like a
1: deep question. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I really hear what you were saying about the like living on a boat and I've just like moved into a house uh, for the first time in a few years and I keep getting shocked when I go outside at the temperature, like if it's raining, I can't hear the rain anymore. Mm. Uh, and it does feel slightly like disconnecting from those things. Uh, in some ways, it's great, you know, like I am enjoying the the heating and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think I'm going to have to make a little bit of extra effort to keep that sense of being connected to, to what's happening on the ground and outside of me. Mm. Um, but one of the ways that I do that is, um, is tracking my menstrual cycle. Mm. And I've been doing that now for maybe about like six, seven years or something. Um, and that feels like Something that makes me very aware that I'm connected to something outside of myself. Mm. Um, so I, I've noticed things like fluctuations around the moon cycle, um, like changes around different seasons um, and how that all these different things influence my body. Mm. And and so I find that really, I mean, it's a fascinating practice um, and also one that just keeps me like every day, you know, I'm noticing changes mm-hmm. in my body mm. uh, and I think that's probably my main underlying practice that keeps that connection um and then I think in my yoga practice it's a like grounding and being connected to the to the earth is probably one of the main features of the way that I teach and the way that I practice mm. um
0: yeah mm, lovely yeah I think that's so like the way that we there's something about marking time that mm. I think things like cycle tracking really, you know, assist, assist with. And also like it sort of loops back into that presence that you were talking about as well, because it's so easy to feel disconnected and sort of dissociated from ourselves and f- but also from like the earth and like nature more generally. One of the things I was thinking about as you were talking about moving into a house for the first time was it. I, so I get really excited about houses for about six hours. So anytime, anytime, anytime I go and visit a friend who lives in a house and I'm staying overnight or whatever for about six hours, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, it's so warm. The internet's so fast. Like, they have a sofa. There's a TV, like, a dishwasher, washing machine. I'm like, whoa, amazing. And then... At about the six-hour mark, I'm like, I feel dead inside. I need to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Because houses, houses to me now, I feel claustrophobic in them really easily because I'm used to sort of feeling nature on all sides. Like, literally, like, I have – there are windows on both sides of my boat, plus I have skylights. So I'm used to, like, feeling nature right there with me. But – Yeah. So houses feel claustrophobic. And then they also just feel like, um, yeah, like there's a dead energy to those spaces. Like that feels like quite strong language, but it's how it really shows up in, in my body for me. And I've been in some houses that don't feel dead, obviously, but, um, I'm like, oh, so like as much as sometimes living on the boat is like, it's a joy, but it, it does add more work to my life. Um, When I, when I think about living in a house, I'm like, Oh, it's going to take a special house for me to like be convinced to live in one and probably I'll grumble about it constantly. Um, but there are, there are plus sides. Like I think when I think back to the first lockdown, one of the things that really supported me and really resourced me was the fact that I was living on a boat and I could just be outside. And I mean, the, the weather was so good. Um, and i think about how i would have managed and felt about that time if i'd been living in a flat mm. or living in a house and i think i would have found it so much more challenging yeah um but what was what was lockdown like for you because i think you are in two professions that were just like done yeah you just weren't you couldn't either of them
1: yeah I reckon there was like nearly seven or eight months or something where I wasn't really working in the oh, way
0: that wow. I would normally. It's a really big chunk of time. Is that the longest time in your adult life you've not worked? Oh, yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah. For sure. How was that? Um, in
1: some ways, like I feel like for my hairdressing work, it's given me this kind of renewed passion. Like mm-hmm. it's amazing to have that kind of break From something that enables you to come back to it with fresh eyes. Uh, So I'm kind of grateful for that. Um, And I think it gave me a bit of time to reflect on how much work I was doing before. uh, And I you know, I have a lot of things I'm really passionate about. And so I was doing a lot of things Mm. Um, like, you know, lots of yoga classes and workshops and I was running the Oxford Ecstatic Dance um, and all of those things come with admin. Uh, Mm. So I had a lot going on in my life um, and suddenly there was almost nothing. Mm. Um, So I don't, I hope that I won't go back to doing too many things in the way that I was before. I'm still trying to kind of, be aware of my work-life balance mm-hmm. um and I think I'm just going to keep s- just striving to allocating enough time for me amongst all of the other things that I do um I think it's going to be a lifelong project that the work-life balance thing but uh but hopefully <laughs> I'll uh I'll keep like moving on an upward trajectory
0: <laughs> yeah well it's 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 one of the things that I'm really I think I've it's been a big journey a big like pathway for me for the past few years as well I feel like this is like a especially Aries problem as well yeah because we're so like all or nothing must be the best yes (laughs) (laughs) and letting and letting go of that um yeah, like learning to integrate it or soften around it in a different way. It's just not. It's just not in our nature. No, I totally. I. I'm. Yeah, I feel like a very Aries
1: person, <laughs> and I
0: totally feel that. Oh, wonderful! Well, we are approaching the end of our time. It always goes so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um. So where can where can people find you? Um. So.
1: I'm kind of in a bit of a transition stage in my work at the moment. And so I have a, web, a website address I'm going to give, but it's not live yet. Okay, um, and so that's sunmoonandscissors.com. Uh, and then there's also a sunmoonandscissors Instagram page. Um, and I also have my my old Instagram, which is kind of my yoga work stuff on there. Um, and that's Um I guess you'll link it, so I don't need to try and spell it. it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we will link it, definitely. Um, Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Liz. It's been a total joy. Um, Thank you. Thanks for listening to In Our Experience. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. We love hearing what you think and it makes a really big difference. In the meantime, until the next episode comes out, why not check us out on our Instagram account at Nourish Yoga Training or pop us an email via our website. See you soon.